This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio Program. Today we're going to continue where we left off yesterday. Yesterday's program was a very, very special program. It originally was recorded at my service for the staff and their families on October 25, 2008. And it's so special because my former wife, who now is with the Lord, was the speaker. She was a tremendous teacher. She spoke on discipline. And this is part two on discipline. Dr. Jeannie Hansen. Again, special program. She's with the Lord, but the message will remain forever. This message on discipline will never be out of date. It's something that everybody needs to be successful in their family life, their home their career, just in life, you need to be a disciplined person. You need to train your mind. If not, you're going to fail in about everything. Sit back and enjoy as we continue with Dr. Jeannie Hansen speaking on Discipline, Part 2. God bless you. We won't associate with men of perverse hearts. That's what he's saying here. He's not going to associate with people that have perverse hearts. He won't have anything to do with evil. If you're playing with evil, you're going to get snatched into it. You are not going to be able to stay out of it. He will set a good example in his house. That's not just the priest of the house. That's every one of us. We are to set a good example in our house. When we have our friends over, we are to have set an example for our friends. How do you do that? You're being obedient to your parents. That's setting a good example. Yes, Mom. No, Mom. I'll do that right away, Mom. Do you see what I'm saying? So we have to set the examples. Psalms 119. We're not going to read the whole thing because we know that it is very, very long. But um, verse 101. I just picked out a couple. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. He has kept his feet from evil paths. That is discipline. That is discipline. I remember when I was a child, my dad used to smoke. And I didn't like the smell of cigarette smoke, but there was just something about that, sitting there watching him and that curl of smoke going up in the air. And, you know, as a child, I thought, hmm, I wonder what that would be like. Don't act holier. You guys have all probably done the same thing, right? I thought as a child, oh, I wonder what that's like. But you know what? I was very, very fortunate. I came to know the Lord when I was 11 years old. And I went to church, and I knew that for me to have done that would have been wrong. And so I chose to keep my feet from evil ways. And I chose not to take a puff on my dad's cigarette when he wasn't looking. You know, I chose not to. It's not a question that I would have gone to hell because of it. It's just because I knew that it was not good for me. Verse 173 says, Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. He chose God's precepts, God's ways. We have to choose with our will to do God's ways. It's not going to happen unless you choose. 
Another area we need to discipline is our emotions. Elizabeth Elliot said, The discipline of emotions is the training of responses. When we feel hurt or rejected, we must discipline our mind and will to see the truth. What is the truth? The bottom line is that God loves us. He states it in John 3.16. He states it all the way through the scriptures. He tells us that he loves us and that he is for us. It says, if God be for us, who can be against us? God is for us. So that is the truth. When we are hurt or we are rejected, someone has done something hurtful to us, we have to look at the truth and say, you know what? That's not really me. This is who I am in Christ. This is who I am in Christ. Know who you are in Christ. We must choose to do what is right rather than getting depressed by giving in to our emotions. Did you hear that? We must choose to do what is right rather than getting depressed by giving in to our emotions. If we are constantly boo-hooing about our situations, then we're giving in to our emotions. We're not walking by faith and we're not walking a disciplined life. That's not to say that we can't feel bad once in a while. Of course we can. All through the scriptures, uh, especially the Psalms, you, you see how David, you know, tells how upset he is about things. We handle our emotions by acknowledging our feelings to God. So, in Psalms 109, David is complaining to the Lord about his enemies. There's quite a few different chapters in Psalms where David is complaining about his enemies. He is angry and he's hurt and he's rejected. But in verse 4 he says, for my love, they are my adversaries, but I give myself unto prayer. He was angry, he was hurt, he was upset, but he chose to give himself to prayer. He exercised his will. And in verse 30, he says, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I will praise him among the multitudes. Another example of him choosing to exercise his will. He chose to praise. The situations hadn't changed any, but he chose to praise God in the middle of the situations. In Lamentations 3, 1 through 26, I'm not going to read that, Jeremiah acknowledges his feelings to God. The first half of the chapter, like verses 1 through 20, Jeremiah is in despair. He has bitterness. He's blaming, and he feels his prayers have not been answered or have gone unanswered. But after verse 21 on, he expresses hope and trust and love, and he sees God's goodness and his mercy. He did a complete change about. So it's not wrong for us to express our feelings to God. But make sure we're expressing our feelings to God and not just dumping everything on someone else. Maybe they're not able to handle your upsetness or your grievances. Maybe they're not mature enough or maybe they're walking through something of their own and by your dumping on them, you're going to just bring them further down into the pit. It's okay to express it to God. 
We have to exercise or train our wills to think the truth. We have to think truth. Another area of discipline is our bodies. And I can honestly say there's probably not one person here that has complete discipline over their bodies. I mean, you know, just the extra pounds around our middle shows us that we're not. And, you know, we're not condemned to death because we are not doing that. But God... We'll just get there quicker. Yeah, yeah, it's true. We will get there quicker. But we are to make every effort to discipline our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what is a temple? It's a holy place. A place that is clean and pure. So we have to make sure that things that we're doing to our bodies are clean and pure. Romans 12.1 tells us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Because it's a spiritual act of worship when we offer our bodies. That means giving ourselves to do the work of the ministry. Giving ourselves to do the things of God. That's how we worship the Lord. It's not necessarily the works that we're doing, but it's the attitude of a heart when we use our bodies to do things for the Lord. We need to make sure that we are using our bodies in a proper and right way. First Corinthians nine twenty-five through twenty-seven. Let's turn to that. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. Through 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. We are to go into strict training. Our bodies are going into strict training. Now let's face it, most of us are not in strict training. You know, Malita's probably the only one right now that's been doing any sort of training because she was playing soccer. But most of us are not in strict training when it comes to our bodies, are we? We are to bring it into subjection to make it our slave. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I have a problem in this area. Because I would rather sleep in (laughs) than to bring my body into subjection and, you know, discipline myself. This is an area that I really fight with. We discipline and honor our bodies not for the perishable crown, but for the crown that lasts forever. So how are we treating our bodies? Are we eating properly? Are we eating things that are not healthy for us? You know, like, if you're a diabetic, you don't eat things that have lots of sugar in it, right? Or you don't eat lots of carbs, right? Because it turns into sugar, right? That's disciplining our bodies. If you've got allergies, you don't eat certain foods because they're going to poison you, right? So are we eating properly? What about exercise? Like I said, we already touched on that one. What about cleanliness? You know, a lot of people forget about that one. But it's important to be clean. Your skin has to be clean. Otherwise, it gets sores. Mm -hmm. It breaks out in rashes. You smell. (laughs) You know, cleanliness is important. Mm -hmm. There is nothing more disgusting than watching people go around with greasy hair because Mm -hmm. they didn't bother to wash it. What about rest? 
Are we giving the proper rest to our bodies that we need? Or are we pushing ourselves constantly, pushing ourselves? You know, it says that our bodies need at least eight hours of sleep a day. Well, I'm sorry. If you're pushing all the time and you are not, now I'm not saying that once in a while you can't because there are things that come up that once in a while we have to stretch things, you know, like you're going to catch a plane or you've got a deadline to meet or something like that. But that should not be the norm. It should not be the norm. If you are not getting eight hours of sleep, then you need to set some boundaries. You need to. Because your body is not going to keep working when it's tired. What about proper attire? You say, well, that's not your body, but it's covering your body. Make sure you're wearing things that are covering your body appropriately. Right now, we're living in a day and age where people are going around showing things that that we shouldn't be seeing. You know? We're going to occasions and stuff. I mean, we all know that the rules of dress have changed. We know that. But there should not be any lack of modesty. There shouldn't be any lack of modesty. And being properly attired, like you don't go to a funeral wearing shorts and a t-shirt, you know? Right? That's being properly attired. Because we are an example, and we are glorifying God. When we are attired properly, you don't go to a wedding wearing uh, a tank top and, you know... I've seen a few people, you know, and I look at them, I'm going, what? This is an occasion of celebration. Why are we wearing our T-shirt and sweats or whatever? You know what I mean? So these are things that we need to be disciplined in. Another area we are to discipline is our time. Our time. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Let's turn to that. 5, 15 through 17. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The purpose for making the most of our time is to fulfill God's will. We are here on this earth to give glory to God and to fulfill His will. Not our own. Not our own but his will. So when we are making good use of our time to further his kingdom, it's not to say that we can't be spending time. We've all got families. Every one of us here has families. And there are things that we have to do to maintain our families and to maintain our homes. Those are necessary things. But there's a lot of things, especially nowadays, where people are spending time where they shouldn't be. On the news, just when I was in Boston, there was a news thing on. And they were going to do a program on addictions. And one of the addictions that is now prevalent today is video games. This guy was spending, I don't remember how many, it was like 80 hours a week on computer games. He was a grown man with a family. He wasn't going to work. He wasn't doing the things he should be doing because he was so addicted to video games. That is a time waster. It's something that is taking you away from what God wants you to be doing. Psalms 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What is the purpose? To gain a heart of wisdom. 
When we're wasting time, we are not going to gain a heart of wisdom. We're just filling our minds with junk, stuff that is of no use to us. We want to be filling our minds and our time with things that are going to be something that is going to glorify God's kingdom. Satan likes nothing better than to get us to waste our time. You know, if he can keep us immobile by wasting our time rather than doing what we're supposed to be doing, he's won the battle. Jesus himself said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So let's make sure that our time is being spent wisely. If we're spending three hours a day playing a computer game, then our time is not spent wisely. If we're watching TV from 12 noon till 10 at night, then our time is not being spent wisely. Right? There are many earthly duties that we have to do that take our time. Those are necessary things. God knew that we had to do them. He knows that we have to, you know, clean our house and wash our clothes and feed ourselves and do cooking. He knows that we have to do all those things. Those are necessary things to maintain our lives. But we don't have to be spending hours and hours doing unnecessary things. So we are ultimately to be about our Father's business. What did Jesus say when he uh, talked to his mother when they couldn't find him when he was 12 years old? He said he was about his father's business. You know, that just goes to show us, kids, that none of you are too young to be about your father's business. None of you are too young to be doing something for God, to be telling other people about God. None of you. The last area we need to discipline is associated with the body, but... It's our tongue. And I think this is probably the biggest one. The book of James talks a lot about our tongue, the whole book of James. Most of us here have listened to pastors tape on your tongue and your destiny. If you haven't listened to it recently, you should probably listen to it again. My husband's going to love that when he hears I plugged him. <laughs> but, you know, it's true. James talks about our tongue. So let's turn to the book of James. James 1, verse 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Slow to speak, did he say? We are to be slow to speak. That means have some discipline over our mouth. Don't come off with flippant and sarcastic things. Things that really are not uplifting and can even hurt the person that you're talking with. Or maybe not that person, but maybe somebody that's listening. James 1.26, he says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. You know, a lot of us, our testimony is made null and void by what comes out of our mouth. It really is. Because we're saying one thing, and it's not glorifying God at all. The first 12 verses of James 3 talks about the tongue. We turn to James 3. Verse 6 says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Our tongue defiles our whole body. 
It brings life or it brings death. Verse 10 of chapter 3 says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. How can we as Christian people speak blessing and then two minutes later speak cursing? Now I'm not talking necessarily curse words. I'm talking speaking words of death over somebody. Not necessarily physical death, but you're tearing them down. You're tearing down their ego. You're tearing down their self-esteem. You're belittling them. Those are what I mean by cursings. If that's coming out of our mouth, then we are not uplifting Christ in any way. The things that are coming out of our mouth should be making that person feel better when they leave our presence than when they came into our presence. We need to be speaking words of life into their heart. That's not to say that there aren't times of correction. There are times of correction. So don't get that confused with speaking words of life. Don't get confused. There's a difference. We are to build up rather than to tear down. So we need to have discipline over our tongue. In conclusion, we are to be disciplined, but not rigid or legalistic. We want to be flexible enough to respond to God. The purpose of our discipline should be to order our lives in such a way that we are available to be used by God. So if we're a disciplined vessel, then that means we're going to be listening to the voice of God. That's why I chose that one song, Open My Eyes, Lord. Open My Ears, Lord. We need to be disciplined so that we can hear God's voice and we can move on what he has to tell us or what he wants us to do because we're disciplined and our life is in order. If we don't have discipline in our lives, we are living a life of chaos. And your houses, your household shows it. Your families show it because we're not exercising discipline in our lives. So we as a body of Christ, need to make sure that we are trying our very best to be disciplined people. Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen has written a book titled The Science of Judgment. God is predictable. There is a scientific pattern for the rise and fall of nations throughout history. We need to understand the laws or the rules of design regarding prophecy and judgment. When it comes to the laws of judgment and prophecy, denominational or personal belief systems have nothing to do with the reality or the certainty of the rule of judgment. Dr. Hansen's objective is to warn leaders of nations of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the plagues or judgments that are coming upon these peoples and nations that reject Jesus Christ as Savior according to the Scriptures. Dr. Ronald E. Cottle, founder and president of Christian Life School of Theology, states that this book is a must-read for Christians and other leaders in the United States and in other nations. It is clear, powerful, and well-reasoned. We all owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Jonathan Hansen for the years that have gone into the research and writing of The Science of Judgment. This book has more than 300 pages, divided up in five sections. Part 1, The Science of Judgment, has chapters titled such as The Laws Regarding Prophecy and Judgment, Patterns of Apostasy, Purpose of Chastisement, Standards for Justice and Mercy, God Forgives When People Repent, God Holds Nations Responsible for What Leaders Do, Parental Responsibility, The Feasts of the Lord, Solomon's Transgressions and Their Consequences, Righteous Kings versus Evil Kings, Example of King Jehoshaphat, 
ungodly alliances. God is predictable. God holds people accountable. Man can turn into an intelligent beast to do evil. Section 2, The Deception of the Theory of Evolution, has chapters titled as Problems with the Theory of Evolution, Evolution and Racism, Darwin's Hatred of Christianity and its Fruit. Section 3, Why Must There Be Judgment, has titles such as The Fall of America and Her Destruction, Cult Christianity, Radical Liberal Politics. Section 4, Kings, Dictators, and Presidents, with the following chapters listed as People Choose Their Nation's Leaders, Qualifications for Godly Leadership, Romans 13, Delegated Authority, Satan is in charge of this world, not Jesus. If laws violate conscience, we must disobey. Finally, part five, so what must we do? These chapters are listed as, we are in a cultural war, our responsibility to a hostile government, the Christian's science of judgment. With turmoil ever increasing throughout the nations as Bible prophecy is coming to life right before our very eyes, one must read the science of judgment to have a clear understanding of these events and the reasons why. Call 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248, that is 360-629-5248, and request your copy of The Science of Judgment for a donation of $35 or more, plus shipping and handling. Thank you, and Shalom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.